fright rags, horror apparel, and accessories. <laughs> if you're a horror fan, then Fright Rags is the place for you. Fright Rags has been bringing you the best in horror apparel and accessories since 2003. Officially licensed collections, including fan favorites such as Halloween, The Evil Dead, Creepshow, and tons more. No matter what type of horror you are into, Fright Rags has you covered head to toe. Offering a wide range of exclusive products from your favorite creature features, slasher flicks, and cult classics. Metal Hand of God listeners get 10% off when they use the code MHOG10 at the checkout. So don't miss out on your favorite horror apparel and accessories you can only get from Fright Rags. That's fright-rags.com. And remember, use MHOG10 at the checkout for 10% off your purchase at frightrags.com. <laughs> Welcome back to the Metal Hand of God podcast. I am your host, Wayne, and that fine gentleman, wherever the hell you are right now. I'm the rum guy. And and you're and on. I'm not there. Right. You're not here, but you are actually on, uh, like, walkabout right now. Yes, I'm on walkabout right now. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing a, uh, a peyote journey. Uh, <laughs> he's on remote, people. Uh, he's on remote, so he's somewhere else. I'm on remote. So if he's, I'm live in the field. So if he sounds live funny... If he sounds funny, that's why. <laughs> no, it's just I always sound that way. Right, true. It's unfortunate. And today sure. we me... have an incredible guest, the, a well, magical person. That's a pretty big build-up. Hey, incredible. hey, come on! That's, I mean, come on! Wait, I was well, gonna, I was gonna give you. It's amazing. It's magical. The one see, and only Mr. Paul Knopfsinger. Hello, hey guys! Thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome, man. I'm, I'm actually Thanks super. Super stoked to finally have you on the show, man. I oh, got, thank you. I've, uh, I've actually talked to uh, Joe several times about having you on the show, and just we haven't been able to because we've been so packed with guests. Like, we've had guests three times a week for like the last two months or three months now. It's insane. It's been crazy. It's great. That's, but that's, not, a bad, that's not a bad problem to have, though, right? No. I mean, no. That was the thing is it's been great, but it's just, it's just been so busy. Like it's, I'm finally glad we can work a date to get you in. Well, I'm glad to be here. It's, it's fun. I, uh, New Orleans is, is, uh, is one of my favorite places and Joe's a big part of part of the reason. That's awesome, man. Um, so let everybody know what you do that way. People. Okay. People so can... here's, here's kind of the quick uh, cliff note story. Um, I, I, I live in a small shitty little town in Northern Colorado called Greeley. <laughs> And um, we're about 40 miles south of Cheyenne, Wyoming, and about 60 miles north of Denver. So kind of up, up central north. Uh, for about 18 years, um, I worked in finance. I went to school to be a history professor. And after grad school, I decided to get a job type job. And uh, I worked for a bank. And I made too much money to go back to school to be a teacher. The banks paid better. And I, got, <laughs> and I, I liked it more. So I ended up doing that for 18 years. Right before I turned 40, I told my wife, I'm going to quit my job. I called one morning and said, I'm going to quit my job today. And she said, do you have a plan? And I said, I do. And there was a long pause. And I kept, <laughs> I, I figured she was going to say, okay, you got a plan. You're good. And I said, what she said, what's your plan? I said, I'm going to be a professional magician and I'm going to buy a brewery. 
And she said, well, right, right, right. She said, well, that's a plan, which I took as that's an amazing plan. And I am so lucky to have such a smart, strong, brave (laughs) husband. So I, uh, I turned in my notice and they let me go that day because they were, they were, I, I worked for the world's largest beef company. And there, our, our company was being purged for a, a competitor, and they thought that I was lying to them and that I was going to go to the competitor. And so they said, we'll pay you for your two weeks. You can go today. And I said, okay, sweet. So I left, and I started writing a show, which is a, now it's been – it was five years in, in March. March 23rd of, of 2015 is the day I quit my job, and I've written a show called The Mystery Collection, and I've been lucky enough to travel around the world with it. I've served as a consultant for Penn & Teller Foolis and for America's Got Talent. And uh, gotten to meet some amazing people and do my show and tell my silly, silly stories all, all over the world. So I, I, I guess I'm a professional magician who tells funny <laughs> stories and, and gets to travel. See, people, dreams you, do come true. Well, I'll tell you, when I was a little kid, a reality. Yep. When, I was, when I was a little kid, all I wanted to do was magic and be a stand-up comedian. I grew up listening on those big, cushy headphones to people like Bill Hicks and oh, yes. George Carlin and the old... Uh, and, and, and prior and those guys. And I just wanted, I just love the idea of, of making people laugh because they're uncomfortable. Yeah. And you, so I grew up doing that. And, and in my fifth grade, um, have, have you heard this story? The fifth no, grade talent show story. No. I auditioned for my fifth grade talent show and I told, uh, told jokes and did card tricks. And I was awesome. I worked so, so hard on this routine. And the teacher called me over. She said, Mr. Knopfsinger, come over here after the bit. And I figured she's going to tell me that I'm, I'm going, I'm going to be on the Disney channel, but I'm that good. Right? <laughs> and she says, you had better hope you get a real good job because nobody in their right mind is ever going to pay real money to watch you tell card tricks or listen to you tell jokes. Really? Wow. Your teacher so, so told I, you this. I leave that bitch tickets to every single show I do in this town. <laughs> I leave her name on the guest list and hopes that she comes. I, I hope she's probably dead. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> look her up, man. She's not a, she's, I, shit, she's too old. I, you know, I, I, her name was Mrs. Peel. And I, I say this story at every show and I say, does anybody remember uh, Mrs. Peel? And every once in a while you'll hear some claps and I say, oh, then shit, you're not going to like this story. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of the, uh, where I come from and, and what I, what I, uh, what I've done. And we're, so, nice. so that's, that's, yeah. You know, well, you know, well, from, go ahead. Go ahead Wayne. I was going to say, you know, I have this uh, interesting story about a teacher when I was, I was in kindergarten. My mom always used to tell me the story. I don't remember it because I was a little kid, but she said, I was, I was so rambunctious in kindergarten that my kindergarten teacher, a, she wouldn't call me Wayne. Okay. She called me by my middle name, which is Anthony. And she would beat me with a shoe. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I would come home and tell my mom that the teacher hit me in the head with this her shoe, like I like I was some fucking dog or something, man. You know, <laughs> but I mean we're 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 all at that same age where you know that that kind of punishment at school was okay. Now yeah. if you hit your if you hit a kid at school, they're going to jail. Right, right. You know, well, I guess nowadays you're either hitting the kids or you're sleeping with them. I mean, it's one of the two. Right, right. right. I mean, you know. Maybe the kids need hit today. I don't know. Maybe that's <laughs> right. what we're missing in the world. A I little bit, right. a little bit of pain and punishment wouldn't doesn't hurt anybody. I think kids today need to be beat quite a bit, actually. Uh, a lot of them. I have two kids. I have a twenty-two year old and a fourteen year old. So I um, I I'll, uh, yeah, I'll agree. See, see, I have <laughs> I have a four year old. I have I have a four year old. So so I'm just starting the madness. Yep. So it's, you know, I don't have any, so I just have to hit random kids. So, right. yeah, so you're the smartest of the three of us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had a question going back into your story real quick. Yeah, yeah. At that, that point, you, 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 you were at the bank and you decided you're going to you're going to leave the job. Yep. Yep. But you jumped from that mindset to I'm going to go back to that original dream. Was there something was were you just sitting? Were you counting all the money one day and going? I could make this disappear. Hey, disappear. I like magic. No, you know, I, you know, I, I'd worked in banks for about, for about 14 of that, that 19 years or 18 years. And I, when I left, I was working in the finance department for the world's largest beef company. And okay. we were, we were out of Brazil and they were making a lot of moves that, um, they, they'd, they'd acquired a bunch of different companies and kind of brought them in. And they were bringing in a lot of people from, from Brazil to take over management positions. Gotcha. And I just, I just made the decision that, you know, I, I, I liked what I did, 
but and and this is this is as serious and as as sappy as it gets. You know, I, I have like I said, I have two kids, and I, I love both of my girls a lot. And I and I don't want someday them to look back, and their best memory of their dad is to be, man, that guy could balance the shit out of Excel spreadsheets. You know, <laughs> right, right. Or, or, you know, he made he made Brazilian billionaires more money because he worked sixty hours a week, and he worked really hard to make all these other people Lots really of happy. Money. Yeah. And I just decided, I decided, you know, I loved magic, and I and I didn't. I'd done it off and on as a kid, and I really got back into it when we we were, we found out we were having my now 14-year-old daughter, Lily. I found my box from when I was a little kid. Oh, that's cool. From when I was a kid, and that kind of relit the fire. I gave up I gave up magic when I got to high school, and I discovered beer and girls because that yeah. was cool. Yeah, that's, that's what always yeah, happens. That's always cooler. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah right, right. And so so I guess I just kind of made the decision that you know, I'm 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 40 years old. I'm easily starting the second chapter, the last the last chapter of the book. You know, the last yeah. half of the book. Oh yeah. And there's there's no reason that I need to make make sacrifices when I can go out and do do stuff that that my kids will tell stories. I think it was was it Mark Twain or some I don't know who it was that says a man dies two deaths. The first death is the physical death, and the second death is when people quit telling your story. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I just want my kids to be able to say, oh, man, you should have seen this one time or <laughs> you should have met your grandpa. You're, you know, those right. are the kind of stories that, right. that, that keep us keep us alive, I think. So you're right. So that's and you're absolutely right. And, and you mean, know, it's, it's I, as romantic as it sounds. But I also just I just didn't want to work anymore. I wanted to go have fun, <laughs> you know, so. Well, yeah. And, and having fun can be a lot of work. Yes, oh, absolutely. Oh, God, absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've worked harder. It's funny because when I quit my job, I thought, okay, I'm going to work a little bit on magic every day, but I'm going to become this great cook and I'm going to learn all these things. Shit, I think I'm just as busy, if not busier, but I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I always sit down and, and I, I tell my son, which I mean, right now, he really doesn't understand half the stuff that I'm telling him. But, you know, at a four-year-old learning level pace that he's at i mean i try to tell him about his grandfather my dad died you know years ago my mom died like was it four years ago uh and you know so he didn't really know my mother my mother only held him for like six months you know i mean then he passed passed away and my dad never met him so i try to keep those stories alive about like what my dad did and the crazy stuff that he you know that he did i mean i'll get into that later with him when he gets older right but with with us like with me when when i go i mean he's got 10 years almost well, we got we're up to nine now nine years of podcast history to listen to right like this stuff has been this is not going anywhere you know and then i have uh, you know i have the the albums that i put out as a band and then you know different things like that so if you know my wife decides she's bored of telling stories of me she's Go listen to your dad on the radio, you know? Yeah, right, right, right. And I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the movie Big Fish. Oh, yes. You know that, yes. The love that, that, love that movie. Fish. That was kind of, I, I don't want to say that was the inspiration, but that's it's when I first saw that in the theater, um, my wife and I were dating at the time, and, and we watched it, and we both came out of that thing just bawling like babies. Right. And I think we were crying about different things. I mean, I think she was looking at it as, you know, looking at her dad. And yeah. looking at the stories her dad had told her, and I was looking at it as kind of like, okay, this is the life I need to leave. This yeah. is the life I need to leave for my kids, where they're not going to know what's bullshit and what's not bullshit. Right. You know. Right. And yeah. then all of a sudden, at the end, they get punched in the nuts and said, "Hey, look, it's a uh, your dad really did this." So, right. A lot of this stuff was real. Like, look, right. look, you know, these are the people that he interacted with. You know, it was very cool. So, so you went back and you you found some of your tricks and stuff that you were doing as a kid. I mean, was, that must have been a hell of a kind of a mind trip to, did were you still familiar with them i mean did you know what you were looking at well, when you saw was, them again so it was my wife um it, my wife runs a flower shop up here in northern colorado so she uh, had to work one saturday and she left my my stepdaughter who was then i think seven or eight um in charge with me in charge of cleaning out a room because we were getting ready to have a baby and so <laughs> sure. we moved the first first couple boxes and then we found the box that i had moved with me since since college into my first couple places you know all around and i'm like oh let's check this out so we sat there on the floor and I did card tricks and coin tricks and it was like riding a bike. I mean, I remembered them. I had worked on That's them so cool. hard. I remembered them. And then coincidentally, uh, that, around that same summer is the summer that The Prestige and oh, yeah. uh, The Illusionist, those two movies. Remember those two movies came out within weeks of each yeah. other. Yeah, I love those And so movies. we went and saw them and I saw just saw this look in the people that I that I knew that saw the movie that, that magic something to, to get back into. So I made a few phone calls and tried to, you know, they didn't have the internet when I learned magic as a kid. I learned it from 
from books and from watching, you know, uh, other people do it. The back so I get of comic books. And I find a magic club that there's a magic club in Fort Collins about 30 miles away. And I made a phone call. And the guy that answered the phone is now one of my one of my absolute best friends and, and, and my my mentor and one of my heroes, the great Ludini. And he uh, he's 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 a big deal to me. And so I, that's where I got started at back getting back into magic. Yeah, I was going to ask so you cool. who is whoever uh, who really influenced you into, uh, you know, getting into magic like uh, your like your mentor. You know, I know yeah, everybody yeah. has one. So, well, I, I would say um, as a kid, it was I, I read the Mark Wilson course of magic. I think every every magician in the world, if they don't have that on their shelf, they're a terrible magician. Uh, the Mark Wilson course <laughs> of magic was my my the complete course. That was my Bible as a kid. I read that thing inside and out. And I had a chance to meet Mark Wilson I don't know, five or six years ago. And I took that copy that's just beat up and torn and has has shit all over. It. It's got coke spilled on it and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> it's been you know? used and it's been loved. And I had him sign it. And I said, this is the one that I that taught me. This is the one that I learned on. Uh, I, I guess, you know, my, my, the magic I do isn't, um, I don't do card tricks and I don't do doves and I don't do, you know, the linking rings and the, the, the balls and cups. My, my, the magic I do, I deal a lot in seance and I deal a lot in ghosts and, cool. um, kind of mind reading and, and that kind of stuff, a little bit spookier. So, so I guess my storytellers, I, I guess my, my storytellers would really be the, the influences and the people I look up to now, the people that, you know, the Ray Bradbury's. And uh, the people that can tell a story about magic and, and, and keep you keep you hooked. So that's the that's that's the kind of magic I've evolved into is, is kind of ghosty and and seancey and, and a little bit more. They call it bizarre, but I think that's a, a shitty way to refer to it. Yeah. I think it's more it's, it's more storytelling magic. It's 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 kind of paranormal mentalism ish type stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, because I, 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 magic sucks. I mean, magic's fucking boring. I mean, if you, uh, well, it is, I mean, if, if, is, is finding, is finding a card, is that magic? I mean, Hey, pick a card, put it back in the deck. I'm going to shuffle it. Hey, is this your card? Well, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Okay. Magic? Yeah. I mean, is cutting a woman in half magic? No, she's Just... half naked. She's smiling and she's happy to get in the box. If that were real, she'd be scared as shit to get in that box. Right. She'd be she'd screaming. Like mad and stay out of it. She'd be screaming and you right, know, right. yeah. And why is she not screaming? Because she knows it's a trick. Because she knows she's and, not going to get hurt. Right. And you, 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 are you going to tell, I mean, how do you expect your audience to have any drama or have any fear in it when the, the woman, the half naked woman is dancing and jazz handing her way into the box? Hey guys, I got a big saw coming. Right. I'm going to get cut in half. I'm going to get, I mean, come on, come on. Adults aren't stupid. And so, well, you know, and and the other thing that I've been bitching about a lot lately, since you asked, yes, um, is uh, that, you know, we have a lot of uh, magicians that talk to ghosts as well. I mean, that's kind of the new hot thing is the ghosty thing with all the ghost TV and they use the ghost to pick a card. Yes. How retarded is that? I mean, (laughs) if, if you had a chance to talk to a ghost. What would you ask it? Would you ask it to find this dumb old lady in your audience's card? No way. <laughs> yeah. No way. Oh, come on. Really? Right? I mean, really, if you could talk to a ghost, that's as close as you get to talking to God, right? Yeah, I mean, really? pretty much. Pretty much. And, are, and you have one question to talk to this ghost, and you're going to have him find the, the Jack of Diamonds? What's come, Elf- on. come on, tell me what Ethel's card is. Right, yeah. right, right. I mean, they'd say, well, Ethel has nine months to live. That'd be funnier. Yeah, you know? right, right. But Ooh, I don't know. I just well. I just have a real a re, kind of a gripe with with magic and and so it's it's kind of made me. I mean, I'm not invited to a lot of magic clubs anymore. But uh, uh, I have a small little group of friends that we we get together all the time. And and there's a there's a big group of the kind of magicians that that I that I the kind of magic that I do. And we get together once a year in South Carolina at a convention at Myrtle Beach, and it's called the East Coast Spirit Sessions. And we. Um, we do, we, we work on seances and ghost tours and all sorts of stuff. It's a lot of fun. There's another one that I have not yet been to in, uh, Baltimore, Maryland called bizarre hauntings. And I'm hoping it, it, there's a chance that I'm going to try to go to it. If not this year, next year. So nice. Yeah. That... Uh, you're in my neck of the woods. Cause, um, I live in, uh, just across the border from, uh, Myrtle beach in North Carolina. Okay. Okay. Well, we go to North Carolina in January. So if that tells you how, how uh, busy it is while we're there. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's yeah. The, yeah, that's when we can get the cheap hotels and the cheap, you know, the for the conference. So but it's a lot of fun. I, I love I, I absolutely love what I do and I bitch about it and I and I kind of make fun of it. But the uh, 
I mean, really, this is, I am the luckiest kid in the world. I get to do this for a job. I get to, I get to go travel around the world and tell stories about my imaginary friend and tell stories about my grandma and tell, tell all these stories about ghosts and stuff. And, and it's just, it's, I, I love it. I'm, 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 I am the luckiest kid in the world. Now, well, you, you mentioned the imaginary friend, Wayne, yeah. and, and, and now, now you have to be peaked at that. What, you, what were you talking about? Me or Wayne? Me? You. you yeah, you tell, okay, okay. tell him so the story I, about When this. I was a kid, when I was a kid, I had an imaginary friend. And my imaginary friend's <laughs> name was Yehudi. Yehudi. And this, okay. is, this, is all, this is all 100% true. I, I swear to you, this is absolutely true. And Yehudi, I was probably four, so it would have been like 1979, and uh, which was, you know, one of the, the, what the, the, like the third or fourth time, but the third or fourth time ago that we were fighting with the Russians. Mm-hmm. So right. I, um, Yehudi used to make me call the police on our phone and tell <laughs> me and tell and say that the Russians were at my house and Yehudi would call, it would have me call the police and tell them that aliens and monsters were around. And Yehudi had me do some really, really fun pranks. I took all the clothes out of my mom's dresser one night and put that, or one day and put them in my dad's dresser and put all my dad's clothes in my mom's dresser and then just walked away. And Yehudi had me do these, yeah, Yehudi had me do these really, really awesome things. Well, one afternoon, Yehudi, uh, we were at the grocery store and Yehudi told me it would be a good idea to climb in the ice chest. Ah. So we opened the big glass doors and we call, we, we climb into the ice chest. And uh, my mom couldn't find us. Now, keep in mind, this is like 1979, 1980. This is pre-Adam Walsh days. So it right. wasn't yet cool to be kidnapped. Right, right. And right. Um, so my mom's <laughs> frantic because, you know, her, her favorite of her three kids is missing. And so she's running around the store in tears. She can't find me. And I'm just sitting in this chest, in this big ice chest, waving at people as they walk by. Well, security finds me, and that day my mom – I've made my mom mad a lot in my life. But this day, she, I remember she put her finger in my face, and she says, I've had enough of this goddamn Yehudi. Uh-oh. He stays, uh-huh. he stays here. Oh, so wow. that, was Poor last, that was the last day. That was the last day of Yehudi in my life. Damn. Now, fast forward, and I'm working at the beef company, and I'm listening to the Paranormal Podcast. So this is easily 33, 34 years later. And right. I'm listening to the Paranormal Podcast with Nick Redfern. You know who Nick Redfern is? He's the guy, the yes. bald guy. He's the guy without the hair on Ancient Aliens. Mm-hmm. And um, he mentions Project Yehudi. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, he found him. He knows about him. So, so uh, I, I send him a message, and I tell him the whole story I just told you. And he's, I said, tell me more about Project Yehudi. And he says, well, PayPal me 25 bucks, and I'll send you my book. So I do. <laughs> well, Project Yehudi was a was – a, a real black ops project in World War II. No shit. Right. And the idea of it was they would take these boats and they would put mirrors and balloons and like tinfoil all over them. They were unbanned floaters and they'd send them out. And what it would do is it would kind of mess with the kind of the archaic radar and sonar of the, uh, the Axis powers. So they'd, they'd, they'd focus all their attention on that. Meanwhile, the good guys would sneak up from behind. So it made you see something over here that it, then it, disappeared and it reappeared someplace else and i just i was like oh my god there's got to be something here so i started doing tons of research on what yehudi the where the you know what the word means and where it came from and how i would have learned it who knows but uh but yeah so so it's it's become a huge part i actually was supposed to do on march i think march 29th and march 31st I was supposed to do fifth anniversary shows in New Orleans for the fifth anniversary of the Mystery Collection, and one of the shows was going to be the entire Invisible Friends show. Wow, wow. dude, that so, cool. Yeah, so I'll be back. I'll be back. It's uh, it, it just as soon as we can travel, I'm there. Yeah, so. man, you, I, I am definitely not going to miss your show this time when you come down. Uh, I, I've been telling Joe I was going to go with him a few times when you when he went. I just I didn't have the chance to, but yeah. This the next time you come, I will be there for sure, hundred percent. Well, I, it'd be great to see. I um, yeah, Joe was gonna Joe. I think Joe was gonna do one of the shows with me. I yeah, I, yeah, I he asked was. Joe to do one of the well, to do one of the anniversary shows with me for sure. Yeah, man. But so that's that my invisible great. friend, and, well, and it's it's uh, it's a true, it's an absolute true story, and it's become one of the one of the, the the most dear parts of my show. And I think that's one of the things that why why my show's been as successful as it's been is because it's made up of true stories. Right. You know, the first I, I tried to be dark and ominous and I tried to be, be talk about, you know, demons and the devil and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just that's not me. That's not me. I tell dick and fart jokes and I make fun of religion. I mean, that's what I do. All right. And uh, <laughs> so it's 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 that's that's it's more fun to just kind of I tell my kids, if you don't lie, you don't have to remember your story. 
Yeah. So it's easier right. for me to That's get up and so tell my true, tell, you know to tell my story and to, to tell my things that have happened to me. Well, you know, like I told you before, I was going to say it was a really interesting thing about. Um, you know, uh, invisible friends or, or, you know, imaginary buddies or whatever. I had one as a kid as well. And what was really weird about mine was mine. I, I was probably about the same age as you were four to five years old. And mine was called Noid. All right. Okay. And then when I turned like 11 or 12 fucking dominoes came up with the yeah. Noid. And, I- and I was like, holy shit. This is my imaginary friend. He's on TV now. You know, yeah, right, it was just, right. it was such a surreal thing. And like, and uh, I mean, my wa- my mom used to like get me like the little characters all the time because it was like, you know, she knew it was my imaginary friend that would get me in trouble. So that's how I was. Right. Were you, a, were you, were a, you weren't a, um, a, uh, you just said you had two other, a brother and sister, right? Yeah. I have a younger brother and a younger sister. Yeah. I was going to say I was a, I was a only child. So that, that was my only friend. Well, that's, time, that's you know. interesting because I've gone, I've gone around the country and done this show, and I start off the, that bit with, "Did anybody have an imaginary friend?" And the answers and the stories I've gotten all over are absolutely hilarious. Well, I think it's, of, it's important. Well, and some of them are absolutely terrifying and depressing as well. One guy told me he had an imaginary friend whose name—God, I don't remember the name. I have them all written down in a book. But he and his friend would get in a fight because his friend worked too much. And he was afraid that his friend, he was afraid that his friend had another friend at work that he liked more than him. Well, what is that? What is he seeing? What is this kid seeing? He's seeing his mom or dad cheating on his, the other parent with somebody at work, right? Sounds like it, doesn't it? You know? Yeah. And then, and then the, 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 I mean, I'm not going to play psychologist on this, but could the annoyed or annoyed be the, ver- you know, somebody, you, somebody called you annoying or, or somebody you were, they were annoyed or something, you know, Yehudi, where Yehudi came from is Yehudi goes back to, it's an old Yiddish name. And in the 30s, Cab Calloway sang a song about the man who wasn't there. Who's Yehudi? The man who wasn't there. Who was yeah. there, right? And this, the story goes that Yehudi is the guy that turns on and off the light in the refrigerator. So, so Yehudi <laughs> does the things that nobody sees. So I'm guessing one time, maybe when I was you know even younger than that, I did something, I broke something, I knocked something over and said, somebody, I said, you know, somebody said, who did that? And I said, I don't know. And one of the older people in my family, my grandparents or great grandparents said, oh, it must have been Yehudi. You know? Uh, wow, that's be. cool. Yeah, so, uh, so I'm wondering if that's where I picked it up. And I, I don't want to know. I, I, I'd like to think that Yehudi was real. So, I mean, he it was absolutely real to me. My dad tells the story that I slept under my bed for a week after Yehudi, had, after we had to leave Yehudi at the store, that I was so depressed I wouldn't eat. And I wouldn't, I would, wow. I was, yeah. So, That's so it's real. I, I know how you feel about the noise. I, it was, it's real. Yeah, man. It was, no, the, it was, it was in my the, head. That the, was my kid. You know, that was my buddy. The idea of, uh, of imaginary friends is, is I, I always thought it was important for kids. It helps create imaginary or imagination. It also, uh, it, it makes kids' brains work a lot. I, I don't know. Does, does your son Wayne have an ima- imaginary friend? Uh, right now, I don't know. You know, like, like he doesn't really, you know, tell us like, if he has imaginary friends or not or whatever. But I mean, he plays by himself in his room and he, and I hear him talking to his little toys and shit like I did, you know, as a kid. Yeah. So I had a, I had a creepy one. Um, I guess it, it became creepy somehow. I didn't think it was creepy <laughs> at the time, but my imaginary friend was part deer and part man. Nice. Oh, which wow. was weird. Uh, yeah. That's, that's, that's bizarre in itself. Was his name then, Dan? Uh, I don't know. I can't, I can't remember his name, but uh, I, I would in my head I would see him all the time. You know, he's part deer, part man. And then later on to see depictions of of uh, uh, things used in the occult, and some of them are, are half deer, half man, and some of them are half goat, half man. It, was, it would always gave me a. It was like, what the f was I thinking? Where's my head at? But yeah. weird, weird. That's spooky. I- I did a show, a big corporate show around Christmas time, and the girl wanted to tell me about her imaginary friend, and her imaginary friend's name was Uncle Monkey. All right. And she could, Uncle Monkey would not let her 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 tell her parents about him. Oh. Right. So I mean, God, there's there's so much to this that you want to you want to you know. I wish I could have stayed all night and asked her questions, but uh, that's probably I, she probably pays one hundred twenty five dollars an hour to answer those questions. Probably. So, but yeah, but Uncle what, Monkey. I just thought that was such a great name. What's what's going on for the rest of the season? I mean, I know everybody's still quarantining and things like that, and and uh, 
pretty much it really seems almost that this year is, is getting to be a bust for a lot of people. How's it looking for you, though? You seem to be pretty busy. Well, I um, I lost over 40 shows with the quarantine. Oh. I had my very first tour planned. We were going to kick it off in New Orleans. We were going to do two shows at the Potions. And then I had two shows on April 1st or on April 2nd and 3rd at the Always Cabaret. And uh, I don't know if you guys, if you know about the Always, it's one of the coolest places. It's a drag cabaret kind of burlesque club. Yeah, I've been there a and few I, times to see some yeah. comedy acts. A friend of mine used to uh, uh, run a, a show uh, there. My friend Kyle, he's a, he was a he's a comedian from out here. And I yeah, and I got to do a couple shows there uh, last time I was out, and it's it's really one of the coolest, most fun places. And you get to you get to open up a little bit, and and you know you can you can. You can stretch the humor a little bit more in a place like that. But that was going to be the kickoff of a 17-day tour, 17-show uh, tour with a buddy, Paul Prater from Little Rock, Arkansas, and I were going to do this tour. And it was called Black Magic 2020, and it was going to be ghosty and seancey, and, and I was really looking forward to it. And then I had a deal worked out with the Black Monarch Hotel in Victor, Colorado. Victor, Colorado is an old mining town right outside of Cripple Creek that burnt, mm-hmm. burnt down in a fire. And it's apparently one of the most haunted places in Colorado. And I was going to do a residency there starting – in May, and we were going to do every other weekend. We were going to do mystery collection weekends, so we lost all wow. that. So we're hoping to get that started back up in, in, in hopefully in August. Uh, so we're we're going to see Colorado. You know, we're we're slowly opening up here in Colorado. I wish I, I wish everybody would just take it easy and kind of relax and let's let's go at it slow so I can get back out there and do this. Uh, right. So to keep myself busy, I've been um, I've been trying working on a new show. I also had this idea that I could I I have enough interesting people in my life, and I know so many so many fun people that have such interesting stories that I could sit on Sunday afternoons online and do Facebook Live events called. And I so I started this thing called Mystery Collection Conversations. Nice. And um, it's just really is me sitting in front of my computer, and I've moved it. I it's it's no longer I've got a camera, and I'm doing it like like almost like a grown up now. But I <laughs> I just get I just sit and talk to a buddy, and just get shit faced drunk on a Sunday afternoon talking to a buddy online. And the first couple of weeks, I had twenty five thousand people tune in. So holy so shit, that's blast. amazing! It's a absolute blast. I did it this last Friday, and I had Daker Stoker, who is the great grand nephew of Bram Stoker, the author of Dracula. Yeah, love yeah. that love that book. Through a friend, I met I met him, and we were on. And I've got uh, I'm gonna ha- I've got uh, the the I've got scheduled up through the first weekend in August. I've had Calvin von Crush, a guy who's a, a dear friend of mine. He has a show on Amazon Prime called The Occult Collector. Nice, and he yes. collects Ouija boards and mummies and skeletons and shrunken heads and all that stuff. I've had a couple of magician friends of mine. I had Marita. Uh, oh yeah, the, yeah. Randall, the woman for that owns potions. She's written two amazing books. She's written three, and I've only read the two, but she's written two uh, really fun story books about Storyville, the area in New Orleans, yep. the the brothel area, and then one about vampires in New Orleans. So, so I've had, and I've, I've just, it's been really fun. I just, I, I, I really, really, this goes back to that storytelling. That I, I just want I want everybody to know the stories of some of these amazing people that aren't I mean, I don't want to say they're not famous, but they're not they're not pop culture famous. Right. And, right. But, and they, they have they have just some amazing stories. And I, I'm lucky enough to consider these people some of my dear friends. So I made a list this week of the who the top 10 people I'd want to sit down on a Sunday afternoon and get drunk with. And I sent them all messages. And it's like Henry Rollins and Glenn Danzig, and Rob Zombie, um, Doug Bradley, who played Pinhead. And yes. I haven't heard back from any of these guys. But uh, Well, I tell you what, but, you know, you, we, uh, we had Nicholas Vincent on the show, uh, the gentleman who played the Chatterer in uh, Hellraiser. You nice. Know, yeah, he was he was such an awesome guy. Um, but yeah, like, like I know how you feel, because we do that a lot, to like get guests on. Like, I'll, I will go down the list of everybody you can think of to try to get on the show, and you don't ever hear from them. <laughs> yep, yep. Yep, it's so, it's fun to try though. Oh yeah, of yeah, course. And, and you know it, it it is what it is. I, I I I don't know how long I'll keep this going. This was just kind of to fill some time while I um, while I work on a show until I can get back out in the world. We'll see. I'm having a blast, and I'm still getting a, a pretty good pretty good group of people watching. So so we'll we'll see. It's 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 Sunday afternoons. I'm taking this week off for Father's Day. So well, that's a good uh, thing. Absolutely. Yeah, and next week is uh, I'm having Adam, the guy who owns the Black Monarch. And we're going to talk a little bit about about the hotel and some of that stuff. So it's I'm, I'm having fun. And I'm trying to keep the creative juices going. You know, I think that one of the problems with 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 creative type people, um, and I've got some friends that are musicians, and I've got some friends that are dancers, and I've got some friends that are comedians that I've talked to about this. And my kind of magic doesn't translate online. It just doesn't. So I so I'm not doing online shows. 
But I think the problem with me is I'm really just a 14-year-old kid looking for the approval of strangers. I mean, that's really what I am. <laughs> and so I get up and I tell, you know, I tell jokes where I make fun of myself and I do these silly little, little tricks that wrapped in stories just to get the approval of strangers. And it's been really tough. I mean, it's been really tough to sit back and not not have that. At this point last year, I had done over 40 shows. I had been on, on 16 airplanes and I had been in four different countries. And by wow. this point, last year, and this year I've been to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina in January. Woo! Right, oh, tearing it up. So it's been it's been kind of a a, a, a punch to my psyche a little bit. You know, I, I turned forty five in two weeks, and it's kind of one of those you get that feeling of of you know you're becoming irrelevant, and it has my time come and gone. And I so so I really just need to get get back out. And so I, I started writing this new show, this new seance show. I started it just this past week. And hopefully that it works out for me to come back and, and do it in late August just to try it out. I thought I'd come down to New Orleans because it's my favorite place and film it. And just oh, sweet. You know, yeah. have swallow it to film it so I'd have something on film to use in promotions for when the tour starts back up. But it's it's tough out there. I've got friends that aren't making it. I've got friends that are creatives and that are performers that are worried about where where they're going to get money to pay their cell phone bill. And that's, yeah, right. that's, that sucks. That's terrifying. That is terrifying. So, well, it, it is it completely screwed so many people over one way or another. I've, I've, I know people right now that had their, had their retirement plans and all set up and they they had to blow through all this stuff or they invested in a, a retirement plan, something like they wanted to buy their, their, their dream house and retire at it. They buy the dream house. They're trying to sell the one now, but they can't. Now they're paying two mortgages. It's draining their bank accounts, and they're just yep. completely screwed. Uh, car payments. And, and then, of course, then you've got people getting sick, and then you get, you know, and right now we're in the middle of hurricane season. So hurricane season comes up. Guess what's going to be coming up the pike? Another right. smack. Another smack to the face, and everybody's going to evacuate. But where do you go? There's no place to go. Why? Because everything's freaking closed. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, it's it's. You know, I was talking to a buddy of mine today who's a writer. He's a, a, a script writer, and he said that he talked to a guy that buys scripts. One of the guys, the, the script buyers, I guess what you call him. And he said, if somebody would have written this down three years ago and said, "This is this is the story. This is the idea for a story," that nobody would have bought it because they would have said, "You have too much going on in your story." Yep. Yeah, you know, th- nobody would believe that that much would be going on. So exactly. I mean, it's Absolutely. literally like the the most insane year ever. Everything is just falling in place, like like with the coronavirus, with the damn hurricane stuff, with all the riots and the damn, uh, you know, the all the. Well, but the Protesting. murder hornets, they came over here and they're like, fuck this, we're leaving, right? Because yeah. we yeah. haven't heard anything about murder hornets. I mean, that was a big deal for about two days. And they came over like, ah, we're not getting involved in these riots. We're yeah, gonna... they're like, this is too much for us to handle. We're going to go home for a while. Then we'll come right, we'll back and kill everything. <laughs> like, this is yeah, so it was, stupid. It was like, my God, they're the size of like small piglets. And they're come right. flying through the air and they're going to stab you. And you're like, well, where are they? I don't see them. Right, like, right. Shit. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I wish I wish everybody could just get along and behave. But I I, uh, I understand why. I mean, to, about the riots and stuff. I understand why people are pissed. I absolutely understand why they're pissed. And they have every right to be pissed and they have every right to be listened to. They've been ignored for so long. And it just it's it's bad timing all around. I think the yeah. world is kind of bubbling up to where um, something's going to have to give. So. God. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, what can we give? I, I, I give up rhubarb. <laughs> that's funny I'm a, my wife is my, my wife's a, a florist and she's a she she got her degree in natural biology she worked for the division of wildlife we have a huge rhubarb plant in our backyard really oh, no. yeah yeah no, so, i give it up every year for lent so well, I, I love it that the only way people can eat it is with a cup full of sugar i mean that's the only way it makes it any good I, I find it absolutely i i actually don't like rhubarb but i that's the reason i give it up every year there you but go. um uh, I give up church that, every it, year for Lent. I give up going to church. Same. It's, I, it's I give that, up Lent. It's that poisonous. Why eat it? You know, it's right. like fugu. It's a fucking fish that is full of poison. Why am I going to eat this? It's stupid. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's it's because it's daring. Well, uh, daring. I, I, I dare to. Jim, I think it's Jim Gaffigan that says about eating fish that it sucks because when the best thing you can say about eating fish is that it doesn't taste like fish. <laughs> that's the best compliment you can pay to fish is yeah it was good well, it didn't taste like fish have you understood like what is the reason that everything supposedly tastes like chicken right 
I think because everything's fried. I mean, you fry anything. We have we have a world famous place about 15 miles from where I live called Bruce's Bar, and they are world famous for Rocky Mountain oysters. I think they're the place that kind of started the whole the whole craze. And okay. they and so so whenever I have people come in for, and, and guests come from out of town, they want to go visit. So we go up there, and they're they're like, oh, it tastes like chicken because you just deep fry the shit out of it, and everything tastes like fried chicken. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. Really freak them out. Tell them it tastes just like people. Yes. Right, right. Wow, yeah. it's soylent green. It's soylent green. <laughs> soylent green is people. People. Oh my gosh! Yeah, no, it's well. You said you're up there near uh, in Colorado, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm in a town called Greeley. And Greeley. Just to give that... you an idea. Can I give you an idea of the shithole I live in? Uh, two days within two days of Colorado making the making the retail sale of marijuana legal, my town had an emergency council meeting to make the retail sale within the city limits illegal. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. That sounds like the place I live. So yeah. we're giving we're giving over two million dollars a year. In and we were also a dry town until the mid '60s. We didn't have wow. alcohol, so a little town set up outside of us called Garden City, and they made two million dollars last year on uh, pot tax. So, and we have to go to our voters and ask for money to buy schools stuff. So that's, that's great. how backwards my town is. Wow. Well, I was going to say, but Colorado is pretty. Uh, I'm just going because that's what I was thinking of. It seemed to be a pretty hip kind of liberal town, you know, with everything that they've done. Well, but it's kind of just... like saying that Louisiana is like New Orleans, and it's not. Uh, yeah. Colorado yeah. is Colorado is getting very progressive, and Denver, Boulder, Fort Collins, some of those areas are getting very progressive. My my county, Weld County, is not. We're not. We're no. we're regressing. We uh, we had an election a couple years ago to try to become the fifty first state. Are you right. fucking kidding me? No, no. What? Our city, our county commissioners had nothing better to do than come up with because they thought we were being ignored by Denver. Now, now to their defense. The oil, the oil and gas industry is is a, putting billions and billions of dollars in Weld County. It, it is this is the boom in 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 uh, the West right now is in is in Weld County, Colorado, in the oil and gas industry. Well, that all slowed down when gas falls to you know a dollar ten a gallon. That all slows down as well. Sure. Right. But uh, but so so they 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 just it's. I don't know. I quit giving a shit about it a long time ago. <laughs> well, there is there a lot of clubs up there that you do play uh, regularly up there at all? Um, there's th- no, not not particularly. There's a distillery uh, here in town called Tower Fifty Six, and and Matt, the owner, Matt Estrin, is a dear friend, and he lets me come and, and kind of do an open do do uh, one night a month. I was going and doing shows. And we were doing really well. And every, there's a couple speakeasy bars and a couple little theaters that I'd book shows a couple times a year. There's about 120,000 people in my town. And one of the problems with the, with, with doing that is I, I I have to come up with a new show all the time. You know? Right. Yeah. I have to come up because if it's the same people. So I try to get out into the world, but I try to work out new stuff a couple times a month at some of these places. But there aren't, a lot, of, uh, there aren't a lot of, uh, of theater kind of things like that. I was hoping this Black Monarch hotel gig would have been that because it's a it's a hotel, so it has a turnover crowd every night. So I, so that's going to be that we're going to start that back up. I, I'm hoping in 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 August. Yeah, it is. A, it's a it's a famous hotel. I'm I'm familiar with it from the uh, the paranormal TV show stuff yep. too as well. Yep. And they've got a room uh, themed after H.H. Uh, H. Holmes. They've got a, a Elizabeth Bathory room. I talked with Adam the other day, and he's got three rooms ready to go when they reopen and when they start kicking things through. So so he's working right now on the themes. And getting wow. kind of decked out. So his his hope was to have ten or I think ten rooms by the end of the year. That's so cool. that's super cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I got some wood from one of the the reconstruction projects. He let me take some wood out of the floor. So the downstairs of this hotel was a casino, and upstairs was the brothel. And upstairs okay. had a huge like dining room, and he was tearing up some of the floorboards to reinforce the the, the floor. And I took he gave me some of the the floorboards. So I sent him to a, a craftsman friend of mine, a woodworker, and I had him make me a Ouija board box Whoa. out of the floors from the brothel ballroom. Ballroom, yeah. So, so I should awesome. have that this week, and I'll post some. I'll post some pictures of it on my on the Mystery Collection Facebook page. Please do. It's, I, so I saw cool. a picture yesterday. It's pretty awesome. That is amazing, dude. That's very absolutely cool. amazing. And I wanted to thank you very so much. Floor could uh, tell stories. Imagine what it would tell you. I know. It's true. And I, I was going to say, I wanted to thank you very much also for the T-shirt and everything. Yeah. That, was, that was very, very cool. Well, did you guys – and you you know, the, being, being – one of you being in New Orleans, you guys got the Blue Book shirts, right? Yes. yes. So you know what the Blue Books are, right? The um, – we're, we're, we're talking about the, the – not the Project Blue Book, are we? 
No, no, the T-shirts that I sent, are they, they're the ones with the blue ones that have the red writing on front that say Blue Book? Yes, 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 yes. So those are the Blue Books. Okay, this is awesome that you guys don't know what that is. The Blue Book, um, it was a New Orleans thing from, I think, I want to say 1889 to 1914. And they were the guidebooks. They, actually, somebody wrote a book about them. They're called the Guidebooks to Sin. The Blue Books were the catalogs of Storyville. Really? You would have the Blue Book, and you would thumb through it, and they would pay kids to sell them at the train station in the dock. And you would go through, and it would have the picture of the brothel and then a listing of all the girls in there. And then it would focus on one girl. So, so oh. it was, those shirts were going to be part of my tour for my Storyville seance, which I'm going to bring back to new Orleans. I, I did a whole sh- show on a Storyville seance and those are the, Oh, that's why I sent them to you. I thought you guys would know what the, uh, blue no. book. I, I, so, I, 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 I've never heard of it. Cause I'm, I'm from up North Wayne's the, the new yeah. Orleans guy. So uh, as soon as I saw it, I was like blue book. I'm like, okay, this is cool. And I'm, then I was thinking, is it Project Blue Book with the alien thing? Or is, is oh, I didn't know which way so, it was going. And then did you guys get the uh, bag full of drugs? Yes. I did. That's hysterical. That's uh that's I get I get because of the shit I travel with, you can imagine I get pulled over at TSA every single time I travel. <laughs> you right. know, when you when you travel with Ouija boards and shrunken heads and voodoo dolls and shit, you get you get asked a lot of questions. So one time they said, uh, do you have anything else? And I said, uh, you just you didn't see the bag full of drugs. Oh, that's funny. And I thought that was funny. They did not. <laughs> so they made me un- they made me take everything out of my bags. Oh, come oh, on. Oh my god. And I told my guys I'm kidding. It was a joke. I mean, and they're like, "Nope, take." So they made me take everything. Everything. That is they, so yeah. bad. And and uh, you know, that's what you get. I mean, you for 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 fucking with senseless <laughs> senseless clothes. Rum. Uh, Rum. Yeah. yeah, you you have to tell him your airplane airport security story. Oh, the, from the last time I went to New Orleans. Not the last time. From the time when we went camping. Oh my gosh! So I, I get I pull I get into New Orleans, and I'm 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 usually a pretty pleasant guy, but I had a hell of a flight, and uh, I'm there, and we're on a, doing a camping trip. Well, I have this uh, tent. And it, you know those sunshades that you twist and fold and yep. stick under your seat? Okay, yep. I have a tent just like that. And you, you open it up, poop, it pops open, and it's, it's, a, it's a full tent. While there I'm walking through security with my tent, and it happened to be the same time that Wizard World Comic-Con thing was going on. Uh, so there was a bunch of people there for that convention. Uh, there was a, it was a lot of traffic. I think it was also around the time for uh, the, the jazz, something to do with the jazz Jazz convention fest. that was going, yeah, jazz fest or something was going on at the same time. Well, anyway, I'm hanging out in the, in the airport, thinking I was going to get a ride. Wayne was at work. I, I had was, to hang out I at the airport for like hours, like major hours. Like I was there for like four and a half, five hours after I landed. Oh. I'm just standing in the airport down by baggage. So these people, uh, first these four guys come over to, or three guys and a girl come over to me, and I have, <laughs> uh, have, and they they're in these awful cosplay outfits. One looks like a knight. You know, one looks like, a, you know, he's dressed like a wizard. I don't know what he's doing. Anyway, they were supposed to be medieval people, I guess. I was standing with my shield, and the, and the guy comes over and goes, Excuse me, are you a knight? I was like, No. Are you a turtle? <laughs> I said, No, I'm not a turtle either. Why, why would you ask me that? He says, Well, you have that on your back. It kind of looks like a turtle shell or a knight shield. And I said, No, it's neither, dude. I'm just going camping as a tent. Oh, our bad. And they, the, I guess the police were watching all the weirdos too, running around the airport costumes. So these guys, they saw me talking to them. I guess I looked suspicious. Anyway, I go lean against the wall. So it made it look like I was doing some sort of weird transaction, long story short, with these yeah. weirdos dressed in costumes. So now I'm leaning against the wall with weird tent that nobody knows it's a tent and I'm standing there with a bag. Somebody else comes over and is talking to me and I'm doing hand motions and stuff like that. And my back, I guess, is to security. And then they go away and I lean against the wall again. So they, they come and get me. They oh. take me to a special room. They're doing the whole thing. I had to disrobe everything. You know, I'm standing there in my, in my underwear with a tent, and I'm like, and I'm so pissed now. I'm just pissed off as could be. And uh, it was just a horrible, horrible trip. Horrible trip. But uh, yeah, well, the, the trip so was okay. Yeah. It was the actual landing at the 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 uh, airport that crap. sucked. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't like the airports. I, I'm really sick of them. Well, yeah, having to stay that long in the airport sucks. 
Yeah, uh, thank you, Wayne. You're you're welcome. You're welcome. It was miscommunication because he said he was going to be there later, and he showed it up early. Well, it's too bad uh, well, they don't have like cell phones. That you guys could have called and worked that out. Uh, we yeah, they well, they didn't. We did, but he he would answer his. <laughs> I was at work. Yeah, he was at work. Yeah, he couldn't answer his phone. Sure, he was just standing there. But uh, oh, this yeah. is I get good. I get pulled. I get pulled into the room every single time. I mean, because I, you know, I deal with stuff that sometimes it has remotes and sometimes it has, you know, hidden electronics and, and oh, so I yeah, started, I started weird. shipping my stuff ahead of time, you know, shipping that's, it. But, but it also, I mean, that, that also eats into your, you know, when you're, you're spending 200 bucks on shipping to ship your show, that eats into any money you make. Oh, you know, yeah, sure. for sure, so, man, a hundred percent. Sure. That's, that's, but that, uh, that blue book thing, man, that sounds amazing. Well, yeah, you have to check it out. They're they're uh, they're really really fun. They're really fun, and the the routine that I've come up with is 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 I, I'm really proud of it. So well, I'm really looking forward to all of this. I think I think uh, whenever you're in, uh, I know I know your your most exciting place, Myrtle Beach, in January. When next time you're there, I want to come see you because that's going to be. Well, I've gotten a few offers for. Uh, there's a magic theater in Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah, and then. Um, God, I know. I know. There's a couple other places in that area that we've got some offers, and we were when we when we were planning out the tour, we were deciding whether we were going to go east or west out of New Orleans, and uh, we, east was really really attractive, but it just it just would have taken us. It, we would have been gone for a full you know five weeks probably. So well, there's a there's a really cool. Uh, well, it's, it should be pretty cool uh, if it ever gets to fully open. Uh, it would be really <laughs> nice. They opened a. Um, there's a, a magician, and I wish I could remember his name. He opened up a um, his name's kind Ron, of a venue. Ron Weasley? At, in, no, in, uh, in uh, <laughs> Wilmington, North Carolina, and it's called The Zombie Room. And oh, The Zombie cool. Room is kind of, um, from the pictures that I saw, it, you kind of walk into, and it looks like a uh, um, kind of a Victorian... The, the old like embossed Victorian wallpaper. Nice. There's, it's it, but they also do live shows like 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 you were talking about the one in New Orleans. They do burlesque shows and things like that. But there's a huge magic crowd, and it's a as that goes to the uh, to supposedly to go to this location. But they had just opened and then they just closed yeah. because of everything. And he was so pissed off. He wrote a little article in a paper about it. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm I really need the rest of the world to get get better and like let's get moving because this is this is really well it's it's it's, it's 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 really frustrating for everybody you know and my 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 oldest my stepdaughter she's my daughter she's 22 she was supposed to graduate from college yeah oh wow yeah. you know and she didn't get her college graduation so so it's it sucks all around it just sucks <sighs> so well, hopefully we come out of this i was i was i at the very onset of this coronavirus i said hopefully we come out of this better people well shit as soon as it starts getting nice we start fighting yeah we yeah. start we start killing each other off and screaming at right. each other yeah right. so we didn't, we didn't humans are uh, innately um uh mean stupid people well, i think a lot of times a waste yeah. i i remember trying to explain racism to my daughter when she was younger and mm. i just it's i hard say, thing. You know, it just it sucks because there are so many better reasons to hate people. I mean, really, there are. You're right. You know, there I mean, you you hate them because of their taste in music, or hate them because <laughs> the way they 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 you know the way that they they chew with their mouth open, or you know you can find thirty reasons to hate them. There's just so many better reasons. It just sucks. It is, and Ed, you're absolutely right. And as as a as a whole people, we really need to 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 snap out of it and realize there's there's more to future than hate. I mean, hate's not going to get you anything. But it hasn't. It hasn't for 250 years, and so we. But I really do hope that one of the first things to bounce back. I think people, when 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 people can start gathering and, and getting in groups again, I hope it's the arts. I hope it's performance art that bounces back, where people want to go out and they want to see shows and they want to they want to participate in that stuff. I I, I I need it, and I know my friends and, and my my compeers need it. So it's it, hopefully that's one of the things that comes back quick. Well, I know no for doubt. a fact here people are are chomping at the bit for it. Because uh, wow. the little venue that I book for, uh, I book, book some bands at a little bit venue out here. And uh, yeah, we we had our first back show with, you know, like bands actually playing live. And yeah. it was assholes to elbows in that place. And people didn't give a shit about social distancing. Trust me. It was yeah. crazy. Well, that's, you know, that's good and bad at the same time, I guess. Well, I'm saying it's good that people are wanting to go to these things you know 
Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that's 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 what we need. We we need the arts to because that's that's our outlets. You know, life life throws us too much crap all the time. We need escapes. We need we need things like we need magic. Your type of magic in the world for sure. We need we need uh, bands. We need. All, all sorts of performances are, and everything else. Museums need to be back open to yeah. get us a little bit more culture and stuff like that. Because, you know, you'll go nuts sitting in a household by yourself. You really will. Oh, and that's it's, unfortunately it's, sucking for a lot of elderly people too, because that's all they got. You know, they they sit there all day long, and you know, it's it's bad. It's yeah. not good for you. Yeah, it's been a real wear on my. It's been a real wear on my psyche, and, I, and trust me, I'm not. I'm not even close to as bad as some of my pals have it. So I, so bitching about it sucks, but I, uh, I lost all this weight and I fit into a suit for my tour. I was all excited. And then all of a sudden this happens. My, my 22 year old moves back home because she was living with roommates and she just figured she'd be safer home at home. So she moves back home and we start drinking at nine o'clock every day. Yeah. So, you know, we watched, I think we watched every X files episode and we would order out lunch and all of a sudden, all that weight came back, and I got I got really kind of I felt really dumb. I felt really dumb and slow. So so I've started. I shook that, and I'm starting to get over that. But I I need to get out into the world. That's my uh, my my I, I, how I describe it is I, is is this this shitty little town I live in is is the Batcave. And you know Batman didn't solve any any mysteries in the Batcave. He got to go out into the world to do it. So <laughs> so I right. come back here to to work on stuff, and then I get to go out and and do my do my Batman stuff all over the world. I just. It's it's uh, I, I need it too. I, I, uh, audiences need it and performers need it. So I can't wait to get back to New Orleans. It's um, yes. it's really my, my favorite place. I'm I'm watching some of my friends. The Always is doing peep shows now, yeah. where they have a, a window and you pay and you buy and you get like ten minutes in front of the window to watch one of the the dancers or singers. And I think that's really a fun way to do it. I think that's that's one of the things that we're finding out through this is is that that people are a little bit more resilient and creative than they when they're forced to be. Yeah, I know a lot sure. of people whose whose uh, side hustles have become their jobs, and I don't think exactly. they'll go back. I don't think they'll go back to a job type job because their side hustle has taken over. Well, and, and that could I'll be a good what, thing. Uh, and that is a good thing, and and you've proven it that you can make a type of dream a reality for sure. Oh well, yeah, it's uh, I really gave myself a year, and I and I told my boss when I quit, I said I'll be back in about a year, I'm sure, and she said your job's <laughs> open when you come back, and I and then it just started getting better and better, and I got more shows and more shows, and then I re- then all of a sudden shit, it's five years, and I I still I still am doing it. So that's fucking awesome. amazing. Yeah. Well, Paul, yeah. absolutely amazing. Let everybody know where they can find you on uh, all your URLs and all that crap. So the the best place is is on Facebook under the Mystery Collection. Uh, I do have a website, themysterycollection.com, but I'm I'm pretty fucking lazy and I don't update the website <laughs> very often. Uh, things happen too fast. Things happen too fast for me to go to the website every day. So I just put it on Facebook. There's you know I should just change it, and have it go straight to the Facebook. But um, that's where all the stuff is. That's where I post um, uh, stuff about the the conversation shows, stuff about the seance, stuff about. The, the different sometimes I'll find different articles that I think are interesting in ghosts and that kind of stuff. So the mystery collection on Facebook, I, I also have an Instagram and it's just, it's, it's not as used as much. Um, but that's, that's it. And, and, uh, uh, Paul Knopfsinger on Facebook, if you want some, some just real bullshit, it's, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't take, I, I try to separate the show from the magic and from me personally, but it doesn't work all that much. So <laughs> oh, oh. you, uh, uh, once again, though, absolutely amazing. Um, and I, I look forward to seeing your show when you come back oh, out. That's for you sure. Guys, you guys, uh, let me know. Let me know uh, what night you want to come, and you're you're uh, your guests of the mystery collection. Absolutely, no, I appreciate that so much, um, Paul. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. We appreciate you doing this, and you're gonna have to come back on. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I've got uh, I've got some fun stuff in the works that I'm that I'm really excited about, and I'll come back on and we'll talk about uh, some ghosts that I've that I found and some objects that I found, some stories that I've discovered. It's it's Amazing. pretty fun stuff. Yeah, we're all, awesome, we'll, we'll awesome. have to have you on our um, our paranormal show, Ghost Grabbers. So yeah, you have to come on that too. Oh yeah, I'd love it. I'd yeah, love yeah. it. Awesome, awesome. Well, anyway, guys, thank you all for joining us. I was your host, Wayne. I'm the Rum Guy, and, and I'm Paul Dofsinger. And thanks for listening to the Metal Hand of God podcast. Drink whiskey, hail Satan. That's right. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to keep it, keep it, keep it. Metal! Metal! Metal!
That's it. Get the fuck 